This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 24th, 2019. Lock it up, your money. We want to give a humongous shout out to the people who made it possible that when we leave here at in the dark, and it's really dark now. here, <laughs> that there is now light in the parking lot. We, if you've been here at night, you know that you can't even find your way out, or you can't even find your car. And about two weeks ago, it was like, I don't even feel safe here. And so, man, two poles, the lighting is up, and you rock. Thank you so much to those of you who were involved in that. I mean, it was a two-week, Boom. it's Got too dark, boom, light. Let there be light. Uh-huh. Thank you yeah. so With much. With a word, there was light. Yeah, and while I'm remembering, um, we're here now, but you get a chance to come back tonight to the worship and prayer service. And there'll it's be light. It's at 6 o'clock, and there will be light, and you will see how lit up that parking lot is. Thank you, guys. You got that done. Yes. Blessing. All right, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for those who are joining us here at 4744 Summit Bridge Road and those who are joining us online. We are one church in many locations. Lord, bless us um, as we hear your word. Um, reveal to us what you want us to, for our own personal takeaway to be. And we are so grateful for your presence with us always. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Money. I'm, I'm just looking. Is anybody going to leave? Yeah. No, oh, no. He's just moving I'm across. like breaking out in a sweat. It's interesting. Uh, money. A lot of years ago when we were going into ministry, we were told that we should avoid, that people avoid coming to church mainly for two reasons. First is that it's not relevant to their lives. The messages aren't relevant. The whole worship experience is not relevant to their lives. And the other reason why people don't show up is because um, all they talk about is money. Well, we've worked hard to make church relevant to your lives. For We pray that there's a takeaway that you can apply. But we also feel like uh, we have talked very little about money in our 18 years, and we're not sure that that has really been the right thing. Yeah, we probably have actually shortchanged our congregations um, by not talking maybe even enough. Um, You know, you never want to talk all about money. Church should never be all about the money. On the other hand, if we never talk about it, never address what the Bible has to say about it, we're actually shortchanging all (laughs) y'all. Because the truth is, if you spend any time in the Scriptures, any time in the Scriptures at all, you can help to, to find some talk about money and or possessions. Uh, a recent internet article I read by a guy named Dave Ramsey, the article was entitled, A Call to Stewardship. It pointed out the Bible contains 2,350 verses on money and possessions. Now, just to give you a perspective, we use the word faith in church a lot, right? Got to get an amen? Faith. The word faith is found in the New International Version, faith and derivatives like faithful, faithfulness, derivations, 458 times. The word love and its derivations, love, loving, you know, those kind of things, is found 686 times. 
Money and possessions, we find, it's like, uh, what is that, uh, three, three and a half times the number of times you find the word love. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Um, Ramsey points out that 15% of everything Jesus said related in some way to money or possessions. 15%. Even though the subject of money is sometimes uncomfortable to talk about, especially in church, it's like money is a four-letter word, um, but it's five. It's just too important to be ignored, especially if we're going to talk about the Bible, about God, and about what we're going to talk about today. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's start with Genesis. That's the very first book of the Bible. When nothing existed but God. And then merely uttering a word, creation happened. Uttering a word. And then God uttered on the sixth day a word and humankind was formed. And then God gave dominion. God gave power or a responsibility, actually, to all of humankind, starting with Adam and Eve, to care for God's creation, to be a steward. A steward isn't something that we use a lot, that word, but it's, it's one who cares for something owned by someone else or managing something on someone's behalf. So let me make that uh, maybe applicable to us. Have you ever, if you've had kids, ever asked somebody to watch your kids? <laughs> Have you ever had somebody ask you to watch their kids? Have you ever worked in an office where you've had to uh, be accountable to someone else or you've had responsibility over other people? If you answer yes to any one of those questions, then you have been or you are a steward. God called Adam and Eve to be stewards to his creation, and God calls you and me to do the same. All of God's creation, including money and all of the stuff. Yeah. We're reminded that it all belongs to God. We're reminded that several places throughout the scriptures, including Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. And this is what we see there. Say with me, please. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. You see that? Everything. Not just the selecting, not just the things other than what is in my pocket, in my house, in my car. Everything in it. Everything. Period. All gods. All of it. And so we actually need to make an adjustment to our message title today. It was originally a message, Locking It Up, uh, Your Money. I want to change that to locking it up. God's money. <laughs> God's money because it's his money. Let me put it this way. Just say, God's money. It ain't mine. Oh, and the volume went down to half because half of you are going, oh, I was an English teacher. I'm going to give you permission. I checked with the, uh, the language police on this. They're going to give us a, a, a buy on this one this week. They're going to let us, you know, let us lie. Carrie can't say this word. I cannot say ain't. She can't. So I'm going to take care of this because I obviously can, you know. So um, uh, God's money. God's money. It ain't mine. It's not mine. That just, that just ruins it because it ain't mine. Say it one more time with the gusto. It ain't mine. Because it's all God's. Now it's your turn. Go ahead. The challenge is, is that <laughs> we sometimes forget this. 
we forget all about this. It's easily it's easy to do because we in this culture we're we're kind of convinced and a little bit brainwashed that we get things, you know, the harder we work and we need things when we probably really don't. You know, we're called to be stewards of everything. I remember when I first had um, when Aaron was born and our oldest our oldest and I got this newsletter from the church that we were in and has anybody ever heard of cradle roll yeah it's like this really old thing where they used to send maybe some churches still have it but we don't but it's um we I got this newsletter every once in a while um, about how to be a godly parent and I remember the first one I was reading it and they, you know, congratulations on the birth of your child. Just remember that your child is not yours. <laughs> your child is God's. And I can remember having, like, I was almost ticked off. Like, what do you mean? I. You can take almost out of that sentence. Yeah, I did the work. She's mine. She, you know, was mine. And I really had this tough conversation with God. And I had to, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> But, like, I was holding on to her so tightly, and I had to release her to God and say, okay, she's yours first. I think I can love her better, but I am told in the scripture that you can love her more. And so that is, uh, I'm just the God's steward of taking care of Aaron. And then it wasn't quite as hard for the next three because I learned a lot in that. But... Um, our culture really confuses us in, in, in the way that we think these days. And if we're not careful, rather than being stewards of God's stuff, that stuff that we're caring for, even including our kids or our relationships, become our gods, little g God. And they become more important than God and um, become the center of our attention and our devotion, and here's the thing, attention and devotion is one thing, but worship. I'm guilty, I have worshiped my kids, like my life, it's as if my life depended on them, and, and it really doesn't, it depends on God. So being a steward is important. And that's the challenge of grandkids. Yeah, that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> so what Carrie was just talking about what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6:24. He says this, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Say, you, say with me, you cannot serve. Wait, wait a minute, let's make it I. I, I cannot, cannot serve, serve both God and money. And so we got to choose. We got to choose what's number one. You know, it's football, so you know those big hands with the number one thing, that's the thing, who's number one, or what, or who are you going to serve, God or money? And if we choose money and possessions, if we allow that to become our number one, then that becomes, as Carrie just said, our God with a little g. We use big g to say the God of the universe, little g, or all those other things we might worship or might substitute in place of the one and only true God of the, of the creation. And so if we're not careful, that money, possessions become our God, and we end up serving that God rather than the true God 
who put you breath into you in May. So let's look at scripture, and there's um, a different, a few different ones that we're going to look at today. We're going to start in, well, we've already said one, but we're going to start in the third chapter of Luke. Luke is in the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the Gospels. They share the life and the ministry of Jesus. And we find a guy named John the Baptist. He was Jesus' cousin. He was used by God to say some pretty difficult things to people. Um, and, but he was baptizing, and uh, people asked him what they should do to repent. That means to go in a new direction. And John the baptizer um, shared some, some pretty tough words with them in Luke chapter 3. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. So, I mean, we have heard the tax collectors cheated people out of money, and so he's telling them, no, that's not good. And then the soldiers came, and they asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money, and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And so John offers three answers, and all three deal with money and possession in some way or other. As he's talking to the whole crowd, he tells them to be generous. To share with others, share your clothing, share your food. If you have two and somebody has none, give them one. That's what this whole coat thing we're doing is, isn't it? If you got an extra coat, how about sharing it with somebody who doesn't have one? That's, that's right out of the scripture. In the second case, he answering the tax collectors, how what they have to do in order to change their lives. And he says, collect no more than is required. In other words, be fair and honest in your financial dealings, with your money and your possessions. Be fair and honest. And in the third case, he tells the soldiers to be content with what they have. In other words, again, don't try to cheat people out of money. Be content with what you have. All three deal are good lessons about money and possessions. Be generous, be fair and honest, and be content with what you have. And you know, it's one thing to wrap our brain around this, if, if what we're considering, what we have, is ours. It's a whole other story if we consider what we have to be gods, and we're just the caretakers. It's a whole different thing if I'm the owner as opposed to the caretaker, the stewards of what God has entrusted us with. When what we have is God's, Locking it up takes on an entirely different look than locking up what we think is ours. We're reminded of a story again found in Luke. It's, it's really situated just before Jesus was arrested. So he's doing this lots of teaching in chapter 21. And, you know, if you think about Jesus, he's got only a little bit of time left to teach. And he's choosing to say, talk about this, our money and our possessions. He says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put up two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty 
put in all she had to live on. So when we consider what we have as ours, we give out of our excess. When we consider that what we have to be God's, then that really changes everything because we need to prayerfully consider what God would want us to do, which is probably very different than our, our own human nature of what we want to do. And in that scripture, it's also called the, uh, uh, the, the story of the two mites. I think a mite was a small copper coin in, in the old, like, King James. Maybe you've heard it called that, the story of the, I think the two mites. But, you know, in that case, she gave what it says all she had. All she had. And, and I'm not sure that story is intended to tell us to give everything, you know, just turn it all into the, into the uh, offering bags. I'm not, I'm not sure... But it is to recognize that all we have, it's not ours, it's, it's, it's God. You know, what, what the, it does tell us to give, though, is the tithe. In church world, there's a word tithe. You know how there's some words that we use here and you never hear them any place. Who's used tithe in casual conversation in the last 30 days here? There we go. Last service, it was like two of them. They were our kids. <laughs> so anyway, um, but the tithe basically means 10%. Um, and, and that's what we're told to give back to God, 10%. Now, in, in some culture, that might be 10% of your flock. And, you know, the new flock it might be 10% of your grain. It might be 10% of your whatever it might be. In our case, which you're going to say in a couple minutes, it's, we use more of a, not even a cash in. It's an imaginary number in a bank system, you know, kind of thing. We don't even actually touch cash that much anymore. But it's still that 10%. And we're never told to give all. We... Uh, told to give it all, but we're told to give basically all we can. And, and what's interesting is that 10% in Scripture, that's not the be-all, end-all. Sometimes we think, oh, well, gosh, I don't have to give another penny now because I gave my 10. That's the starting point. It's not the ending point. You start there, and then they, they actually gave beyond that. And, you know, though, it's, it's tough, though. If we think of what we have as ours, that 10% is tough because it's mine. It's hard to to let go. If we think out of his gods, what's well, all gods anyway? So actually, I'm not giving 10. Actually, God's allowing me to keep 90. Whole different way of looking at, 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 at finance world when you do it that way. It's not me giving 10. It's God allowing me to keep 90. And it is possible to live on less. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, lived on the tithe. He lived on the 10%. He made a lot of money from devotional materials and stuff like that. He lived on the time. When he died, he had just enough left. Uh, he must not have many friends. He had enough left to hire a couple of pallbearers to take him to his grave, you know. But it's possible to live on less. People prove it. But when we, when we look at it, all stuff that we have as God's rather than ours, it entirely changes how we view what we have and what we're entrusted with. We want to take a look at Malachi. Malachi was a prophet. He's in the Old Testament. And he really um, steps on some toes. God uses Malachi as, as a mouthpiece. And Malachi says to the people that he's talking to that they are robbing God by not bringing the full tithe, that full 10% into the storehouse. And as Alan said, back then when this was written, you know, their, their pay, it was like grain and, and 
fruit, those kinds of food, the first fruits they were told to bring into the storehouse. And then Malachi says, as God's mouthpiece, God says, test me in this. Just test me. Try it out. Test me. And the storehouse, the flood house of heaven will open up, pouring blessings down upon them. Now, he doesn't say what the blessings will be, but the blessings um, don't pour out until the faith step is taken. Mm. And I think that for me, when I have um, gone um, extra measure, the blessing isn't necessarily like a check coming in the mail, but the blessing for me is just being obedient because that's all God wants anyway, our obedience. And, you know, as a disobedient child of God, God's like, okay, you, you, you pulled this one off because of me. And, you, you know, so for me, the blessing is obedience. Mm. Test me, God says, and I will open the floodgates of heaven of blessing. You know, a floodgate is designed to keep the floodwaters back so we're not inundated, we're not killed by But just think of a floodgate opening of blessing. Who here would not want to be flooded with blessing? Right. Whoever puts their hand up, talk to me afterward. We got we to pray hard because we love to be blessed. Now, as Carrie said, we don't know what it's going to be. We take the step of faith, and then the blessings come, and they look all different. All, it depends on you and God and the relationship and what God knows you need to be blessed by. But that's what happens. You know, it's so much easier to do this. When we believe, when we truly believe that what we have isn't ours, but we are just stewards of it. We're just caring for God's stuff. And it's been true for us. For a long time, we considered what we had ours. You know, we worked for it. It was ours. It was in our banking account. We wrote the checks for it. It was ours. And, and, and we really didn't want to be told how to spend our money, it, you know, included how much that we should give to God through the church. And, and, and then God brought about a change of heart, and thank goodness, because the other way, we're kind of stingy. We're not generous. We're not open. You know, that was a blessing to me. We're able to be open and, and generous. It's so cool to be able to just give and not have to, you know, be miserly with the stuff. But somewhere along the way, and I don't know where exactly, but somewhere along the way, God brought about a change in our hearts. It started in our hearts, moved to our souls, and ended up in our wallets. And that was an important place for it to end up. And so when we were no longer considered what we have to be ours, but God's, and that change made all the difference in the world. Because then we were able to tithe. Not like, mm, that darn church wants 10%. Mm, 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 right in that, with an attitude. But joyously, uh, with, with a smile on our face, we're able to give what, because it's not really giving, it's keeping the 90. That's what's so incredible. Um, even when it was done sacrificially, even when it was a little bit tough to do in terms of uh, maybe not being able to do something or go someplace or give something up, it was still able to be joyful about it. Changes everything when we consider ourselves stewards of God's stuff and that we're putting, giving his money basically back to him and he's allowing us to keep what he allows us to keep. There you go. So the question is, what about you? We usually end with that. <laughs> what about you? Are you locking up God's money or are you locking up your money? 
It's a whole different story. It's a whole different feel when it's God's money. And actually, we experience a freedom because the money no longer controls us. And it is just, it's, it's, easier, it's easier to breathe when we're not clinging so hard to, to our stuff. And we uh, release and give to God what's God's in the first place, locking it up, God's money. So uh, locking up God's money, Christmas countdown, what's today, the 24th? Next Sunday, next Sunday begins the Christmas countdown, doesn't it? 25 days of Christmas, starts next Sunday. Yeah. Black Friday's this Friday, isn't it? How many go, how many shop on Black Friday? How many would prefer Cyber Tuesday? <laughs> anyway, it's a time when we are encouraged to spend, spend, spend. Spend, 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 spend. Amen? We're encouraged. Sometimes to the point of even going in debt. And the question we have to ask ourselves then, it's a really important time of the year to ask ourselves this, especially if what we have is truly God's rather than our own. The question would be, Lord, what do you want me to do with your money, with your stuff this Christmas? Lord, what do you want me to do with your stuff this Christmas? Keeping in mind whose birthday it really is. Now, if your birthday's on Christmas, uh, I'm talking about Jesus here. <laughs> Whose birthday? You know, as we celebrate the birth of the one who came to save us, who lived a perfect life and died to pay the price of sin that we can't pay, as we celebrate the, the birth of the, the, our only hope, our saving grace, let's keep in mind the true reason for the season, and it really, I doubt it's the shopping sprees. You know, keep in mind whose birthday it truly is anyway. And maybe ask ourselves, how would Jesus want us to spend God's money on Jesus' birthday? Good question, huh? <laughs> Asking those kind of questions helps bring us one step closer to that personal relationship to Jesus Christ. Whether it's a first step or whether we've been taking many steps and it's just making us one step closer. If you haven't taken that step to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, by the way, back in the prayer corner, can you put your hand Maria's up? Maria's back there. Is that Maria? Yeah. Maria would love, she would absolutely love to pray with you and talk with you about taking that step to a relation, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we mentioned a guy named Dave Ramsey at the beginning of our message. He has a program called Financial Peace. And it's, it's a pretty intense thing, but we are actually going to offer that uh, program in February. And um, the people that we know who have experienced it, it's not a one night, it's like a lot of weeks on a Wednesday night, really have um, experienced financial peace um, as they've worked out their finances God's way. So keep an eye out. It's coming. And um, there will be sign-ups, and um, we're going to work real hard to make it possible for those of you who want to be a part of that. And um, it's, a, it's a ministry that finance team, family ministries, and marriage ministries are all working together on. Cool. So locking it up. question is, is it God's money or is it yours? In other words, who or what will be Lord of your life? And the way you answer that question makes all the difference in your life, in the world, 
in the kingdom, which do you choose? Which do you choose? Let's pray. Our most holy God, God of all creation, God with a capital G, God who gave us life and breath. Lord, we, uh, we pray that you will allow us to, to let go, to realize the stuff we think we have really isn't ours, it's yours. Please help us to realize it's all yours. Please help us to be good stewards of what you've entrusted us to. Please help us to seek your guidance, your wisdom, your direction for how we would use your stuff for your kingdom. And most especially, Lord, we thank you for the most precious gift of all, your son Jesus the Christ, who we celebrate birth this season, but we also realize that his death is coming. And through that death and resurrection, we are saved. We are given eternal life. We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life He offers.